you have questions? Do you need answers? The Pastor Study will help you find those answers through God's Word. Our teacher today is Pastor Tom Brock. The Pastor Study is sponsored by pastorstudy.org. So grab your Bible and join us for The Pastor Study. Welcome to the Pastor Study. Permit me to ask you a question. Do you read your Bible every day? I want to talk on this program about what Bible reading will do for you. Maybe you rarely or maybe you never read your Bible. If you start reading your Bible every day, what will that do for you? We're going to discover some pretty powerful things it'll do for you. So get your Bible out, if you would. And we turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. But before we talk about Bible reading, I just want to quote some famous people. Spurgeon, great English preacher from the 1800s, said this, quote, Defend the Bible? I would as soon defend a lion. Douglas, General Douglas MacArthur, Never a night goes by, be I ever so tired, but I read the Bible before I go to bed. Anonymous said, There is a big difference between the books that men make and the book that makes men. Back in the 1800s, an atheist lecturer by the name of Ingersoll, Robert Ingersoll, held up the Bible at his lectures and said, In 15 years, I'll have this book in the morgue. And in 15 years, Robert Ingersoll was in the morgue. You probably heard of French atheist philosopher Voltaire, lived in the 1700s. He had a mansion, and he claimed that in 100 years, the Bible would be a forgotten book. Within 100 years of his death, his mansion was sold to the Geneva Bible Society, and they started printing Bibles out of Voltaire's mansion. <laughs> So what I want us to do today, we're going to look at, if you get the Bible off your shelf and actually start reading it every day, what will it do for you? Again, 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul the Apostle is at the end of his life. This is the last book we have from him. He's sitting in jail. He's, he knows he'll die soon. Nero, the emperor, will probably uh, cut his head off according to early church history. And he wants to write Timothy about the importance of the Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Before we preach, let's pray. Father, we want to pray for every person watching this program. If they're not regularly getting the treasure that there is to be found out of the Holy Scripture, Lord, tonight, before they go to bed, may they read the Bible, and then tomorrow night and the night after, Lord, we would pray that you would teach us now the importance of, of reading our Bibles every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. Paul's writing this about 66 A.D. to young Timothy the preacher. And he says, Timothy, from childhood you have known the sacred writings. Here's the first lesson I want you to get today. Convert your children early. From childhood, Timothy knew 
the Bible. Do you know that the statistics are amazing? Something like 89% of people who are Christians became Christians before age 18. So if you, if you love your children, read your Bible to the children before their hearts get so hard as adults that they go off and get lost. Read your Bible to the children. And, you know, uh, I'll tell you something I found. Excuse me here. <laughs> Pardon me. I found this at a garage sale for like a quarter. I had to buy it. It's Ingemeyer's Bible Storybook. When I was six, seven, eight years old, this is the book. It has great colored pictures. I loved this book as a kid. This is the book mom would read to us kids for our Bible devotions. Now, dad should have been doing it. And dad, if you're a Christian dad, it's your job, not mom's. It's your job, dad, to have devotions with your children. My dad didn't, so mom stepped in. But it's very important that you reach your children early with the Bible before their hearts get so hard as adults. And, and it's not hard to do. You know, one thing you can do, it's put out by the uh, RBC Ministries, Our Daily Bread. Every day of the year, they have a different one-page devotional, great stories. It's, oh, it's for adults, but it's easy for kids, too. Just pick up the uh, RBC devotional, Our Daily Bread. Google it, and you can find it. Or go to the Christian bookstore and buy a children's Bible. But from, from early on, Timothy knew the Bible, and that changed his life. Let's look at verse 15 again. Timothy, from childhood you have known the sacred writings. Here's the next lesson. Don't neglect the Old Testament. When Paul is referring to the sacred writings in 66 AD in this verse, he's not talking about the whole Bible because the New Testament won't be completed until 90 AD or so. So when Paul is saying, Timothy, read the sacred writings, he's talking about the Old Testament. Do you read the Old Testament? Well, no, Pastor, I'm a Christian. I just read the New Testament because the Old Testament doesn't apply to us anymore. Wrong! <laughs> the only parts of the Old Testament that don't apply to us anymore are the ceremonial laws, the sacrificial laws, and the food laws. Jesus did away with those laws when he died on the cross and fulfilled them. We don't kill a lamb when we sin anymore. We can eat pork now because Jesus fulfilled those laws. But everything else, all the moral law, it stands. It's still there overwhelmingly. Christian, you need to know the Old Testament or you won't understand the New Testament. Uh, next verse. Timothy, from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you wisdom that leads to salvation. Here's, here's the big thing the Bible can do for you if you'll read it every day. The Bible can save you. I talked to somebody once, and I, and I asked him, how did you become a Christian? He said, I started reading the Bible. I said, oh, okay, and then did somebody talk to you about Jesus, or did you go to an evangelism meeting? No, no. I just, all I had was the Bible. I just started reading the Bible. The Bible converted me. <laughs> Here's an atheist and his wife. One day a friend hands him a Bible and says, you know, I know you're not a, a believer, but I just want to give you a challenge. Read this, the most important book ever written. And the atheist says, oh, I don't mind a challenge. I'll read it. So the first week he's reading through the Old Testament and he says to his wife, wife, if this book is right, you and I are wrong. 
Second week, he's reading all the way through the, the Old Testament. Wife, if this book is right, you and I are lost. Third week, he, he reads all the way through to the end of the New Testament, and he says, wife, if this book is right, we can be saved. <laughs> and they were. <laughs> you know, reading, just reading the Bible, people get saved. And how do they get saved? That's the next part of the verse. Um, uh, verse 15, this book can lead you to salvation, which is through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, here's the big lesson. Salvation is by faith in Jesus Christ. People don't get this. I mean, you ask somebody this week. I encourage you to do it. If you can, if you can try to work it into a conversation, ask somebody this week, do you think you're going to go to heaven when you die? And most Americans say, well, yeah. And then you say, okay, uh, curious, why do you think you're going to heaven? 90% of the people will say, I think I've been good. They think they're saved because they're good. They don't under understand they're not good. They're a sinner. All they've earned by their deeds is hell. The only way we get saved, according to this verse, is by faith in Jesus Christ, that he took our place on the cross to pay for our many sins, and that by faith in Christ we are saved. You know, I shared this on an earlier show. I'll say it again. When President Obama was running for president, they asked him about his faith, and he said, I am a Christian. I believe Jesus died for my sins, but... I believe other people of other religions are also saved. And my mother, who didn't believe in God, I know I'll see her in heaven because she was the kindest person I ever met. In other words, according to Obama, you can reject Christ, you cannot believe in God, but if you're nice, you'll go to heaven. That's not the teaching of the New Testament. In this verse, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, we are saved by faith, trust in Jesus Christ. That's the only way we're saved. Verse 16, all scripture is inspired by God. The word inspired means breathed out, like God went and gave us a book. So the lesson is God breathed the scriptures. 2 Peter 1.20 says, men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. In Matthew 22, Jesus says, King David was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write the Psalms. So what we have here is a supernatural book that God inspired people to write, and it's the book from God. I was so grieved to read in the Star Tribune newspaper this week my former bishop, Bishop Herbert Chilstrom. I used to be an ELCA Lutheran. We could take it no longer, and we finally left that denomination because they're so heretical now. To see my former bishop, Herbert Chilstrom, former head bishop, national bishop of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, to see him write an editorial for the Star Tribune in which he urged the Catholic bishops to embrace homosexuality and to see that it's really okay if you love each other enough. And it was such a horrible, evil essay. I wrote a letter to the editor back. The Star Tribune said they're going to print it this week. I hope they do. Here's what I wrote. Uh, dear letter to the editor, uh, my name is Tom Brock. I'm a pastor. I personally have struggled with the temptation to same-sex behavior. 
But I know 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11 says, Fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals will not go to heaven. Therefore, it is crucial to, to abstain from that behavior. And, the, and then I said, the sad thing about Bishop Chilstrom, he's a Lutheran bishop. The job of a Lutheran bishop is to follow the word and not the world. And Bishop Chilstrom is following the world, and he's trying to get the Catholic bishops to follow the world. No, listen, the Bible is the inspired word of God. God wrote this book. We follow this book, not the world. The problem in the church today, we have bishops, we have pastors that no longer believe the word of God is the word of God. What's important is their human opinions. I mean, uh, uh, now and then somebody says, okay, pastor, I'm going to go shop for another church. I'm not going to go to the ELCA and give up my money anymore. I'm not going to go to the United Church of Christ or the Episcopal Church in America. I'm not going to go to the Presbyterian Church in the United States, USA, that now just did what the ELCA decided to do, ordained practicing homosexuals. I'm going to go church shopping, but how do I find a good church? And I say, it's easy. You go to a new church and you want to find out if it's good. After you've shaken the pastor's hand, say, pastor, can I just have three minutes of your time? I'm, I'm looking for a new church. Just a few questions. Number one, do you believe the Bible is the inspired, infallible Word of God? Number two, do you believe there's a heaven and a hell? Number three, do you believe Jesus is the only way to heaven? Number four, tell me your views about premarital sex, abortion, homosexuality. And if you get lots of tap dancing, well, that's too complex. Nah, it's not complex. You find another church. <laughs> The Bible is the inspired word of God, and make sure you're going to a Bible-preaching church. Verse 16, Paul writes to Timothy, All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching. Next lesson, the Bible is the highest teaching. In other words, there's all kinds of teachers in our culture. Which one gets number one place? It's the Bible. I will tell you, I, I, I went some years ago to a Methodist church at Christmas time. The preacher gets in the pulpit and says, today I will talk about the myth of the virgin birth of Christ. He didn't believe Jesus was born of a virgin. He thought it was a myth. <laughs> no, no, the Bible trumps your opinions. Listen, if you're a Protestant, your highest authority is not your pastor. Your highest authority is the Bible. If you're a Catholic, hopefully your highest authority is not the Pope. Your highest authority is the Bible because Jesus and the apostles' teaching, which is the New Testament, trumps everything. Popes can be wrong, pastors can be wrong, bishops can be wrong. That's why I'm urging you to read your Bible every day. And, and I will say this, in our culture though, who, who, who is the American culture listening to? It's not to the Pope, it's not to your Lutheran or Methodist pastor. You know what our culture listens to? The media. And if the women on The View say something like, if, if Whoopi says something, it's true. Or if Oprah or if Ellen DeGeneres is selling lesbianism, it must be true. And this is why I ask you to turn off your TV set a lot and open the Bible more. And I'm preaching that to me, too. <laughs> Verse 16. Here's what the Bible will do for you. All scripture is inspired and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction. Next thing the Bible will do for you. Let the Bible correct you. There's a story of a Chinese, a, a missionary in China. He hands a Chinaman a, a copy of the New Testament. Three or four days later, the missionary gets a knock on the door, and he opens up. Here, you take back that book. I don't want that book. You take the book. And the missionary said, you know, this is the word of God. Why don't you want the Bible? And he says, when I read that book, 
it kicked me. <laughs> you know, I read the Bible every day. Sometimes it kicks me. I, I, I'll give you an example. Years ago, when I was in college, I was a Christian but confused. And I started arguing with people, well, there's, no real, there's, not, there's not really a hell. And my Christian friends said, yes, there is. Read your Bible. So my first year of college, I reread the New Testament. Every time it talked about hell, I wrote it down. And by the end of the year, my mind had changed. And I let the Bible kick me. One reason we read the Bible every day is to let us correct us so we don't end up believing what the media tells us. Next verse, verse 16. The Bible is profitable for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Here's the last thing the Bible will do for you. The Bible will produce good works in your life. It'll train you for righteousness. When I was a boy, I had an older sister, Ruthann. When I would walk into her bedroom at night, she always had her white confirmation Bible on her lap. And Ruthann read her Bible every night before she went to bed. When I turned 13 and got confirmed, I got my own confirmation Bible. I don't remember anybody telling me to read it, but because Ruthann read her Bible every night, I started reading my Bible every night at age 13. And then I went into high school, and when my friends were getting drunk and doing other stuff, I could never bring myself to do that. And, and as I think back on it, why? I was reading my Bible every night. <laughs> The year won't be perfect, but the Bible will protect you and train you in righteousness, it says. There's a saying, either sin will keep you from this book, or this book will keep you from sin. Let me repeat that. Either your sin will keep you from reading this book, or reading this book will keep you from your sin. Well, let me just close with this. Many years ago, a woman died in New Jersey, and she left her last will and testament in which she said, To my beloved nephew Stephen, I bequeath my family Bible and all it contains and my remaining possessions. Her possessions were only worth a few hundred dollars. He sold them, quickly went through that money. Lived the rest of his life, uh, grew, uh, started, started to die. He had a disease. He's, he's packing his trunk to move in with his son, and he sees his aunt's Bible that he has never opened. He opens it, and he's, now he's dying. He opens it for the first time, and on every other page about was a $100 bill. <laughs> She'd left him thousands and thousands of dollars. It was all his, and he didn't even know it, and he died. Listen, everybody. God has left you a treasure. It's called the Bible. There's rich spiritual treasure in this book. Don't neglect this book. Open it. Read it every day. I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you that starting today, you read the Bible every day. Start either with Genesis chapter 1 and read all through the Old Testament, then the New, or start Matthew chapter 1, read all the way through the New and then the Old. But read your Bible every day. My, I'll just close with this. My mom was a Lutheran. We went to church every Sunday. She went to church. When she got older, it was hard to get out of the house, so she stopped going to church. But it bugged me that I never saw my mom read a Bible. And on and off through the years, I'd go home to Omaha and say, you know, Mom, God wants you to read your Bible. Well, and I think she was in her 80s, her last years, and I came home once and she said, you know, Tommy, the last two years, I've read the whole Bible twice. 
<laughs> and that, that warmed my heart, but it was also sad. Wouldn't it have been good if she was to start read, reading her Bible every night when she was 12? And listen, everybody, my challenge to you is, let's turn off the TV more, and let's spend a lot more time reading the Word of God so that we won't be duped by our age. I mean, our culture is what I mean by that. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of Scripture and his insight to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with them. As long as we're talking about the Bible here, mm -hmm. maybe we can, you can answer a couple more questions. When you talk about the Old Testament commandments, are Christians supposed to keep the Old Testament commandments? Well, the answer to that is overwhelmingly yes. Like, you don't commit adultery, you don't steal, you don't kill. There's lots of moral teaching in the Bible, and all the Old Testament is all true. However, some of the Old Testament commandments were given to the Jews before Jesus fulfilled some of the shadows or the symbolism. For instance, Jackie, when you and I sin, we don't kill a lamb, and we don't have to go to a temple somewhere and kill a lamb. The Jews had to. That was the symbolism coming that Jesus was going to be the Lamb of God. Now that the Lamb of God has died, we don't have to kill lambs. The Old Testament food laws, we, don't, we can eat pork because that's been fulfilled mm -hmm. by Christ. So overwhelmingly, yes, but there are certain things, you know, we're freed from the law. We don't have to do the ceremonies and we don't have to do the sacrificial laws. We're freed from that now because Christ paid it all. So Pastor Brock, did God dictate the writing of the Bible? I mean, uh, did the writers of the different chapters hear a voice yeah. telling them what they know, were supposed to say? The answer is overwhelmingly no. You know, I think when I was little, I think my view of how the Bible was written is that put, Paul put on the headphones, <laughs> okay, God, Paul's letter to the Romans, Paul's letter to the Romans, you know, grace and peace, grace and, you know, that's not the way it worked. I mean, Paul was writing the, the Romans a letter. The Holy Spirit was inspired. I don't think there's, you know, on a very few occasions, I think the prophets heard a voice and they wrote it down. And in the book of Revelation, they'd hear something and wrote it. But overwhelmingly, John and Matthew and Mark were just telling people the story, the stories they knew because they investigated it. Did, did Mark know that for the next 2,000 years his gospel was going to be Holy Scripture? I don't think so. Did Paul know when he was writing to the Ephesians that this letter he was writing to this church was going to be Holy Scripture for 2,000 years? I don't think he knew. God knew. God inspired it all. God put it all together. But that doesn't necessitate dictation. God, God can dictate, and like I say, a few places he did, but overwhelmingly he just controlled history, controlled people. And, you know, the Old Testament is confusing to people because you wonder how these people chronicled these things and for what reason mm -hmm. um, and how it ties together yeah. to the story of the life of Christ that's told in the New Testament. Yeah, yeah and which is people. why it's good to have a, a Bible commentary. So you can, it, you know, if you run across a difficult verse or passage in the Old or New Testament, I love having a Bible commentary where I can go and they kind of help explain it for you. Okay, now you talked about a commentary. I guess, what version of the Bible do you recommend to people? My two favorites are the English Standard Version, kind of a newer version. It's very literal with the original Hebrew. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. The New Testament was written in Greek. The English Standard Version and the Second Version, the New American Standard Bible, both are very literal translations of the, of the Scriptures. So those, and the ESV Study Bible is tremendous. Okay, but then, Pastor Brock, why are there so many 
different mm -hmm. versions of the Bible? Well, because people have, I mean, some versions are more what they call paraphrases to make it super easy to understand. I don't like paraphrases. I want to know exactly what it said, not to get somebody's twist on what he's sure it's, you know. So give me the versions that are very exact. And again, the reason I like the ESV Study Bible, they have right on the bottom of the, each page, they have notes explaining the difficult verses. So uh, that's, a, that's a great Bible. Okay, so is it true then that the Bible stories were written down hundreds of years after the fact? Mm -hmm. You know, I guess, how do we you, know that you know, they were changed or you, not invented? you know invented? who Bill Maher is? He's a comedian. No, I, I think it's, he's got a show Politically Incorrect or something. He's an atheist. He rails against Christianity. And if I remember right, he said on a show, yeah, the Bible was written down 300 years after Jesus uh, was on earth. Absolutely not. We have ancient manuscripts to the early, I mean, like we're talking... Uh, 100 to 120 AD, uh, uh, within what? That's 80 years of Jesus' death. We have early manuscripts and fragments of the New Testament that go way, way back. So you can't you can't say that kind of thing. So no, they were uh, transmitted. I mean, Luke, for instance, interviewed probably Mary, uh, probably the apostles, and he wrote the Gospel of Luke. That would have been done within what 20, maybe 30 years of Jesus' death. So Pastor Brock, you mentioned about that challenging people to read their Bible, to start reading it mm -hmm. every day. Is there a plan that you would recommend for people? You mentioned about starting with Genesis, mm -hmm. or you mentioned starting with Matthew. Mm -hmm. What is a good balance yeah. for somebody that's going to make that well, commitment? I would say that if it's brand new to you, you don't really know the Bible at all, I guess I would start with Matthew chapter 1 and read at least a chapter or two a day. When you're done with the New Testament, read all the way through the Old Testament. If you want to get fancy, you get one of the, you go to the Christian bookstore and you ask for a chronological day-by-day -day Bible read, and you get a little tract. You know, the Old Testament is not chronological. If you're reading the book of Kings, some of the kings were during the time of Ju Jeremiah, but then Jeremiah doesn't come till much later. So there is a, a chronic, there's a little track you can buy called Through the Bible in a Year. It's a chronological reading, and it'll take you th chronologically through the Old Testament and the New Testament, which is kind of cool. Well, that might be a good way for people to start. Yeah. <laughs> um, we want to thank you for being with us this week. At the end of the program here, you're going to be seeing our website. That's the location where if you want to hear previous sermons and previous shows, they're all there. Um, we just want to thank you for continuing to pray for this ministry. We'd ask that you would continue to do so as we make decisions about what we will be doing with our future. Um, if you're looking for a speaker for your organization or your church, Pastor Brock is available. That information is on the website also. And we just want to thank you for being with us this week. We pray that God will be with you, granting you his richest blessings until we're all together again next time. And begin reading that Bible. Start it tonight and see where you are in a mother month. Thank you for tuning in to the Pastor's Study. We ask, would you pray for our ministry as we seek to spread the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ? And would you pray about supporting this ministry? Our address is The Pastor's Study, 5200 Emerson Avenue North, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55430. Our website is 
pastorstudy.org. And our phone number is 763-260-4484. May God richly bless you and join us next week at the same time as we study God's Word. Until then, may the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you.